Cool, here we go. Right. <laughs> that was a really shit way to start a podcast, wasn't it? Right. <laughs> uh, anyhow, right, we'll do it again. The Wedding Thinners Podcast. Listen to our podcast. The buffet's closed. We're smaller clothes. All right, ladies and gents, welcome to the Wedding Thinners podcast. Um, we are doing things a little bit differently tonight. We are not in a studio. We would normally be in a studio. Uh, I'm in an office. I thank you very much to 440 Music, good friends of mine who are lending me an office space because uh, it's difficult to do this at home in lockdown with two small children making noise. But anyhow, nonetheless, uh, this evening, these guests that I have here are tremendous in their own very special way. I have the very, very talented Sammy Deneen. Uh, say hey, Hello. Sammy. There he is. Hey where, where are you joining us from this evening, Sammy? I'm from my wife's office. Oh. Because, um, you know, where in I the world? Where in the world are you? London. London. Okay, he's a London lad. Um, and also joining us this evening, we have the super talented Dan Berry. Where are you, Dan? Hello. I'm in a shipping container in <laughs> Manchester. No joke. You are actually, uh, yeah. It looks I really good. am. Is yeah, thank like you. Chip, chipboard behind you. I really feel like it's going to come through. The look of the shipping container on the podcast is really going to it's going to shine right through to the audio, isn't it? Yes, um, but yeah. that's why we're going to verbally describe it. It looks, <laughs> it looks good. Uh, I like your. Uh, I like uh, chip, the way it looks. Yeah, chipboard internal walls. Uh, nice. Lots of like lovely foam as you nice. get in these kind of studios, you know, to yeah. to make the sound. Uh, to technical phrases to make the sound sound good, I believe. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, something. Like um, that. And then a load of cables. You've actually got over here my wife's sewing machine because oh, she cool. is been uh, like like a lot of people, I guess. We've been doing our own business things in lockdown because nice. there's uh, not, not a hell of a lot else to do, really, is there? <laughs> uh, no, you're completely right. There's absolutely nothing else to do. <laughs> but this is why the podcast is pretty cool because it means uh, there's something to do. It's a creative outlet. Um, oh. So, uh, Sammy, just uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, what, what is it uh, that, um, well, why are you here? What do you do, dude? Uh, technically, I am a hand balancer, uh, which means I work and perform in the circus and I stand on my hands. So anything you can do on your feet, I try and do on my hands. So standing on one hand, jumping on my hands, contorting my body into different positions. Um, yeah, that's, that's literally my life. So I train, perform and teach handstands. Brilliant. Okay, cool. And um, Dan, tell us a little bit about what you, what you do. Uh, I'm, I'm a freelance musician and for kind of almost the whole time that I've been uh, working freelance, doing kind of original music and uh, private events, all all the kind of full spectrum of of things you can do for live performance. I've been uh, running my own kind of record label music promotions business as well. So I'm kind of like a very music obsessive person. I kind of tried to find every different way to engage with it. Um, so I've, I've been I've been doing that kind of independent music life for probably about uh, ten years now. All right, many many pies then, by the sounds of it. I'm a fan of pies. <laughs> well, so that's, a, <laughs> that's what they say. You're always spinning pies, Dan. So many spinning pies. <laughs> How do you keep a track? Yeah. Well, at the moment, there are no pies, basically, right? Oh. No, no. Pies. no pies. No pies. I see no pies. All right. Well, look, thank you both ever so much for joining us um, this evening. It's, I really, really do appreciate you taking the time out of your evenings uh, to come and have a chat. And obviously, you know, the reasons why we're here are, are all uh, very, very varied and very, very different. Um, but predominantly, uh, the whole podcast thing came with the idea of sort of chatting about the rough and tough stuff, um, which... Mm. 
originally what you know was the reason why i started the podcast was because i didn't feel it was done enough um so i'd like to start with you sammy if that's okay um and usually that's where i see the look of horror on people's face they go oh, the first <laughs> so it's been interesting doing things on zoom because normally i just do things and i'm hearing people so i can't see their reactions but tell us a little bit more about hand balancing uh, and you as a hand balancer how on earth did you get into that because it sounds incredibly specialist I, I don't imagine for any moment it's something that you sort of you tripped over one day and went, Hey, I'm really good on my hands. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about where that came from. Um, it's a very long story that I'll try and do quite quickly. Um, <laughs> I was always a very active child. Like my mum was one of those parents that was just like, go and play in the garden. You know, like, we weren't really allowed to watch much TV. Um, if we ever had any excess energy or were annoying her, go in the garden. Doesn't matter if it's raining or if it's sunny or windy or whatever, go and play in the garden, go in the park. So I was always a very active child. And that just, with me and my friends, just naturally took me into like climbing trees. Like you got to remember, like when I was a kid, me and my brother watched gladiators. So we'd go to the yes, park yes. and we would do gladiators on the bars and things like that. Mm -hmm. And obviously the, a lot of the gladiators were ex-gymnasts. So I used to try and do what they used to do. So I used to take my mattress off my bed and then jump off my bed onto the mattress trying to do somersaults. Even though um, they told you not to, to replicate. Obviously, but that's saying, like, don't press the red button. Oh, exactly. Why would you listen to them? Uh, yeah. just, just, just to intervene very quickly, who was your favourite gladiator and why? Um, Wolf. I yes! don't really know why, because he was Because he was one. just awesome. He was, yeah. but he was the bad one. He was um, the bad one. Did you, one like, my... Did you like what? Saracen? Saracen was cool as well. Yes. Wait, wasn't it? Wasn't there one? Do you remember Saracen? Because I was, was in a local uh, pantomime performance with Saracen. He was, he was a hero. Was he? Saracen. Was there one called Lightning? Lightning or Storm or something? She was the female gymnast one who used to do flips all the way Jet. down. Jet. Jet. There we Jet. go. That, my, I know that because of Partridge. So thank you, Partridge. One of my circus teachers then replaced her in the Gladiator that happened Ooh. in, what, 2000 and. 12 2013 i mean the series that wasn't actually that good no exactly it wasn't the same i never watched it and i no, knew of course no, nobody did <laughs> <laughs> um but so at around about the age of 12 or 13 my mum then found a breakdancing place in derby and i then started going to that to like put my energy into something and instead of like mm me jumping off the wall in the back garden and then going, mum, 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 look what I can do. Oh, wait, no, I can do it. Let me try again. And the hundredth time still can't, not, not doing it. So I started going into doing breakdancing. And within that, there was someone there who then formed a, what we would call it a crew, but you know, we weren't actually that badass or anything like that. It was just a bunch of boys that got together and we started making breakdancing dance pieces that then we went and did shows in different places. Oh, cool. And that's what got me into performing and dance. Then I told my mum I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to perform. So I auditioned for a dance school in Edinburgh. I got into the dance school because of how, I don't want to say how good, or because I had good acrobatic skills, let's say. I could flip myself around. Because you're superb. Absolutely superb in every way. We can say that about you. We can say that, yeah. We're allowed to. Allow, allow us. <laughs> um, and so I got into the circus, uh, sorry, no, I got into the dance school in Edinburgh, but I, I mean, I couldn't count music, which must horror both of you when people can't count music. Um, yeah, I'm a teacher. I couldn't, so. <laughs> I, but 
I couldn't understand how you can count music. And my mum's mm. husband now is an organist and he would try and teach me. And he's like, so can you hear that that's the one? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're on about. Right. Um, and he would spend hours with me trying to teach me music. And then we would listen to music and be like, okay, tell me what instruments are in there. And I'd be like, drums. He's like, great, there are three others. Drums. I, I, I couldn't hear music. I couldn't hear timing. Mm. Like mm. picking up choreography, pointing my toes, straightening my knees was very difficult for me. Mm. But I had all the tricks that... In nowadays, tricks are much more important in commercial TVs and things like that. Mm. Um, so then I'm in Edinburgh. The Edinburgh Fringe is happening. I go see a bunch of shows and I see three circus shows. And afterwards, I then talk to those circus artists. I drink with them. They teach me some circus stuff in the park. And then they tell me that there is a circus school in London. So I auditioned for a dance school in London and a circus school in London. And I quite cockily said, whichever one will take me, I'll go to. Which now I realize how cocky that was because I was just assuming that they would both take me. Mm. But back then it was just more like, I don't really want to make my own decision. Mm. Um, the, dan uh, the dance school I got on the waiting list and the circus school I got in. So I was like, there you go. That's, That's it, set. I'm now doing circus. So I went to the circus school at 18 and you spend the first two terms of circus school dabbling, like working on strength, flexibility but also trying different things hmm. to figure out what you want to do now i can narrow it down i don't like heights <laughs> there are a lot of circus disciplines where you're <laughs> up in the air so that narrows it down drastically i mean literally we have floor-based acrobats and aerial i'm not an aerialist i don't like being in the air hmm. so it pretty much leaves you to juggling hula hoop handstands that's pretty much it I mean, there are more things nowadays, but back when I was doing it, that was kind yeah. of it. Um, so handstands just seemed to be the only one really left for me. So I was like, well, it was it. more like, of fate than choice then by the sounds of it. Completely. It wasn't, it was not my choice. Like it was just, oh, this kind of works. I kind of, I did kind of fall into all of this. It was never a yeah. purposeful decision. Right. Okay. And then. That was that. Actually, my, my teacher who I was assigned said he wouldn't teach me. He was what? like, oh, I wasn't flexible enough. I wasn't strong enough. I didn't uh, have any good, 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 good how enough. Did that, how did that go down with you? How did that make you feel? Um, me and him had a very up and down relationship for many, many years. Um, and I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for him. Hmm, that's really so I think that he very much trained me or taught me in negative reinforcement. Sure, yeah, yeah. He I very, very, very only, rarely sorry. I was gonna say the only reason I ask is because I had a um I won't name names, but I had a piano teacher who uh who told my parents I was unteachable um because I learned <laughs> everything by ear. Uh, and I still do now. I'm probably mm. I mean, my music reading is okay, but pff, nowhere near the level that you know would put me in a in a pit band, for example, or or anything like that. But I've always mm. learned by ear. And I remember this piano teacher, I remember going to one of his lessons once and, uh, and saying, oh, I, I, I've learned this. And I played, and it, it, turned, it transpired that it was um, Imagine by John Lennon. And I just, you know, remember hearing it on the radio and I was like, oh, I just started, you know, putting the keys down and like finding it. And I played it all. Uh, and, you know, I didn't really get much in terms of, oh, well done or anything. And it was like two or three lessons after that where he um, spoke to my folks and said, you know, I, he's unteachable. And that's because I wasn't, you know, doing it as he wanted. Um, Isn't, doesn't, doesn't that mean that, more that he's a bad teacher? Oh, yeah, and he couldn't differentiate, maybe. But it's mm. very interesting that you said, therefore, that, um, you know, almost like mm. that comment led to everything else. Uh, and it, yeah. 
you know, it sort of feels the same for me because if anything, it inspired me more to be like, well, mm. you know, I'm making a sign on the video, which we're not going to put up <laughs> to that yeah, guy. That, that, um, that's what it was like know. for me as well. Like I kind yeah. of wanted to prove him wrong. Sure. That, like I will work my ass off as hard as possible. If you tell me to do something, I will do it. And yeah. that's what I did. I never, I never complained or argued in the class. I did exactly what he told me to. I shut up and I got on with it. After the class, after school, I would bitch and complain to my friends, <laughs> my mom and everything. But in the class, I did what he told me to do because to me, he was my coach and yeah. that's, he Just was trying to, to get as possible. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, oh, that's great, man. And, and you are, you know, I know not right now, but you seem to be an incredibly in-demand uh, hand balance. So you've done some amazing looking things. Um, I had a watch of some of your, um, your clips on YouTube and, you know, I mean, obviously I can do all the things you do anyway. Uh, obviously you know. I just have to show so, off about it. Yeah. I mean, you just do it on a stage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm watching it with my wife and I'm just like, I don't know how he's doing this. This is just, you know, this utter witchcraft, but yeah, very, very super mm -hmm. talented. And it must've taken you an awful long time i mean this is an understatement but the level of training to get to the point where you do just make as you said actually you make it just look like you are well you, you that, that, that your hands are your feet and it's just natural um yeah i mean it's incredible to watch standing look, on my look, hands does feel as natural as my feet now which is hmm. sounds so wrong <laughs> it does <laughs> but you can i can i can see what you mean by saying that having watched your videos so i, I would come Oh, go on, I would, I'd, I'd be willing to bet that you're more agile on your hands than some people are on their feet, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more agile on my hands than I am on my feet. <laughs> wow, no way. I can stand on one hand better than I can stand on one foot. It, it's, oh, and I, I love that. I can actually, my arms are actually stronger than my legs. And everyone's like, you know, no, no, Sammy, that's wrong. Anatomically, your legs are stronger and bigger than your arms. I'm like, yeah, I get anatomically. But after you've spent 11, 12 years standing on your hands, your arms are going to get stronger than your legs. So when I used to go to the gym, when you're allowed to, I could overhead press the same amount that I could squat, which is oh, wow. not correct in the slightest. That isn't correct, no. <laughs> <laughs> but impressive nonetheless. Very, very good. How long can you stand on your hands for? Uh, you, the is longest, like, is the longest I have done is 17 minutes. But in the grand scheme of the circus world, that's actually not. From, right. There are many people that have done an hour. Wow. Is there a Guinness World Record on that? No. Um, it's deemed as too unhealthy. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, they won't let you do it. It's because oh. I, I, so, I met one of the Guinness World Record people and I was like, can I do this? They were like, no, we're trying to stop the unhealthy things. Oh, taking mm -hmm. the fun out of the world then. Thanks. Exactly. Thumb sponges. <laughs> All right. Well, they won't be sponsoring us anytime soon. They're based on my uh, <laughs> comment just there. But never mind. Okay. Well, can I come back to the sort of training and the sort of, because I imagine, you know, that the, there must have been occasions where you're like i can't do this this is way too tough so we're going to come back to that and i'd, I'd be i'll be curious to know sort of how you overcame that um the sort of that mental block whether it was there at all for you i don't know but um yeah it's, we're going to come back there to weekly. that weekly is there weekly okay well that's reassuring <laughs> as well um but yeah fantastic really really um fascinating and if anyone's listening right now and thinking well you know I might, I might go and check this out. I mean, obviously, don't stop the pod, the pod, don't stop the podcast, mm. but pause. Go and check out Sammy Deneen. You're on YouTube, aren't you? So um, there'll be plenty of things on there. Yeah. Uh, go and have a watch, and then come back, and you know, you'll, and you'll be hearing more from Sammy. Um, but Dan, let's uh, let's move over to you. So you said you are you are a very very talented musician. You you play a multitude of instruments. You're a producer. You record. You write. You promote. Uh, you've got your own record label. Um, 
but you were doing all of those things prior to COVID anyway. Um, so tell me a little bit about your, yeah. sort of your starting point, your, your origins, uh, if you like, of, of being a musician. Well, um, I, I come from um, kind of a musical family in my mum and dad's generation of the family anyway. Not, not, not so much outside of that, but come from kind of like a musical bubble within my family. Of my, my dad's a, a professional jazz musician and is now the head of jazz and improvisation at the Royal Northern. He got that. He got bumped up to that post the other year. He's very chuffed with it. Very um, cool. It's, uh, you know, it's a bit. I think it's a bit weird for them right now. Uh, teaching all lots of Zoom for them as well, same as us. Um, I, and my mum has always played like classical piano, went to uh, study at uh, Trinity College of Music and, um, you know, and, and has always taught piano from our house and played piano. So like, so we had like, we did have a TV, but a TV, like similar to what you're saying before, Sammy, the TV was not so much the focus of the, of the, the living room and house. And and if you were supposed to be doing something, it was supposed to be like, well, you know, why not go and get all the pots and pans out and rattle some percussion, or <laughs> why not play on that drum kit that we've got in the basement line? Why not set that up and do that? Or um, you know, and every every Sunday we'd have um, kind of my my dad was part of this initiative set up like a community jazz orchestra and we we did that every sunday and lots of stuff like that that um for us was just that family wise was just a really normal outlet of um you know of what of what we all did it's just kind of a nice nice um nice thing to be uh, surrounded from from a young age and like you know when we're naked children running around the front room like you do when you're a toddler we were running around to earth when a fire nice. you know and um <laughs> uh and on all of that so we've i've had that kind of music like kind of uh what i would probably pretentiously like to call good music ha 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 going on because it is let's, let's just be honest there's a lot of bad music out there um uh so yes i've been surrounded by it a lot and similar experience to you when you then go like some people yeah when you're then trying to learn about it in a structured environment to both of you resonate with like what both of you said about then you know going ahead to try and like learn what you care about what you love doing um very strange when like, i have not done any classical grades on saxophone or anything and then going to like a music college environment i was like i i cannot read this thing that you want me to read i just cannot do it <laughs> and and realizing you're the only one in the room who's like that you know or and having teachers who like you the way you think about music doesn't fit into the way to their, uh, yeah. their system that they teach but like luckily for me i also had like my family that i'm like well i'm being told that i'm not doing it properly but i know that the these guys i'm doing it well enough for these situations outside of education it's working here so i didn't i didn't worry about it too much um but yeah so it's kind of a family family business doing music mm. and and still is you know for like i've got two sisters and a brother and everybody does some kind of music everybody's life is doing something you know in music as well as other stuff um so yeah kind of a, and, and and doing the kind of record label and promotion side was just like um i think i'm quite like a i i'm quite an adh i probably need to get myself diagnosed for adult adhd but i am like a i'm like things that i like i like really heavily you know i want to be engaged with it from every possible angle and i obsess about it and um 
and doing promotions was just kind of thing of like i found it frustrating trying if you write music or you get a band together that whole experience of trying to like persuade someone to put your band on on for a, for a, for a night in in london or wherever manchester whatever you're trying to do it's quite hard it's quite like an alien process you don't, you don't feel like you have the contacts or whatever and it's quite hard to persuade people to give you a chance or whatever and you i'm don't know where to of, start either that's the other thing isn't yeah it? exactly and i'm the kind of person if other people just don't want to give me a chance i'm just like well fine i'll do it on my own i don't care i'm just gonna do my own thing and it's gonna be better than your thing then you're gonna want to do my thing and that's kind <laughs> of like how i approach everything is that i'm just like well I'll, even when there's no evidence that people don't want to help me i'll just my 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 gut response is always to try and do stuff myself even if i make it um much harder in the process but and, and then you come you come away you like from everything that you're doing learning loads about the process i'm quite quite glad that i've been um i've given myself a probably a, a harder route to try and do the things that i want to do in my life but i've come away with like with with what is quite like a self-reliant and independent kind of structure, of structure of what i do yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so like you know i, and I think, think that that struggle as well it often is leads to you kind of feeling more confident in your ability to deal with as you say you know deal with the mm. difficulties within that as well um mm. so it's a bit like you know whenever i have a, a student that says oh i want to learn guitar i always say well pick up an acoustic guitar the neck is thicker mm. it's harder so then when you transfer to the electric boom that'd be super easy um so yeah and 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 usually like, oh that was so easy to move to electric but they've had that initial pain of it all as well um i don't know about you dan but i i've I agree. Learned, i've learned about myself in um since lockdown well lockdown mm. one began uh, back in march last year was it or two years three years ago yeah. how long ago, how long ago <laughs> it was but what um it was my wife that very very quickly established that you know, I'd gone from being really busy gigging uh, and mm. teaching and you know, being a dad and doing all those things to nothing. And mm. I didn't realize this about myself until this. So actually, you know, there are some things I'm fortunate for lockdown, not many, but some. And one is that I've learned about myself is that I have to be busy. I have mm. to do something mm. and I have to have a creative outlet. And I've been yeah. getting really like the last couple of weeks, I found myself feeling really, really like stressed quite easily. And it, mm. something, um, it, it, it kind of hit the nail on the head the other day when I realized I hadn't actually picked up a guitar. I haven't mm. played a piano. I haven't done anything mm. musical. I did a session for somebody the other day. I did some mm. singing. That was nice. But that I haven't done. And my cre- mm. I mean, even the podcast, uh, we, we took a break from recording the podcast and I hadn't even done that. So I had no creative outlet. Uh, and I guess for you as well, well by the sounds of what yeah. you're saying, Dan, we're quite similar in the sense of yeah, you kind yeah. of have to be doing something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of happens to you if you if you're not like I mean what well, happens, let's go back to March what mm-hmm. you know that first two it was two weeks in and my wife basically said look mm. go and get your piano have that corner of the room set yeah, that shit yeah. up and, and play <laughs> well um I guess uh, I luckily me 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 realizing that like me realizing that I had to always fill my life with things to do was a realization I had like in 2017 or so when I managed to really run myself in the ground from just taking on way too much stuff. Right. And I kind of like, I, I kind of put on my own music festival and I was on a national like UK tour with a band that I was the musical director for. And I was running like, you, you can tw- name names, can you, or you're not allowed to name names? Oh yeah. No, I, I was doing, I was doing musical director job for band, well, an artist called Mr. Dukes. And at the same time was managing a record label release for my label uh, and uh, an independent musical festival that I was the overall coordinator of. 
um, and 24 different promoted gigs at different venues all across London in the year, like a really big, busy calendar. And I'm just, I just love doing stuff, man. I just can't, if it's interesting, I want to do it. Like if somebody comes to me, like a couple of people came together and said, Hey, we've got the right skill set and uh, to put together a music festival. I didn't for a second think about, well, what's the going to be, can I actually do that this year? You know, have I got the time, headspace? Is is it a financially sensible decision? I did not think about that at all. <laughs> and, you just um, said yes, didn't you? Yeah, man. I was like, yeah. of course, I'm going to do a music festival. Let's let's go. Yeah. And I think that's great mentality. And at some point, like for me, I I got to that point in uh, that year when I was like, holy hell, this is totally unsustainable. Yeah. I think anyone who does like this kind of self-driven self-employed run your own business type stuff i think a lot of people have a similar story where like you really struggle to say no to things and you just mm-hmm. it's the flip side of loving what you do yeah. people say do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life but it kind of more works out like do what you love and you'll kind of be working kind of all the time Every all the day. time kind yeah. of ish yeah you know Definitely. and it's just this permanent thing in your head and 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 i think me me kind of having a little bit of a like analysis of like well how did i how did i kaput myself so badly how did i get to that point why what was the thought process like what am i trying to prove you know what 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 are my drives behind that and am i when i'm making these decisions am i looking out for myself am i looking out for my own health you know because i really wasn't you know i got i i got i got trench foot when i was running the festival um and i lost a lot of weight and and uh, and I was like, you know, you get to these points, and and I had a great time as well. But you kind of look at it, and you're like, how 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 have I done this to myself? You know, what was this worth it? Yeah. And I I, pro- I probably would do it all again. Did I just do it better? But um, but it did take me a while to kind of like p- piece together, like, you know, what's what's the story there? Yeah. Um, and that, I think that gave me a little bit of um, little bit of an advantage in terms of. Co- into this whole lockdown situation, but I was already in a, it was already in the, the headspace where I'm like, let's try and mitigate that, or let's try and take those obsessive um, qualities and put it into something that's more like it's not bad to be obsessive, it's not bad to, to feel like you want to work all the time, it's not bad to love what you do, but it's really good to think about, you know, what's your end goal though? Like, what's your end goal? Why are you doing this? Is this like, are you getting enough sleep? All those kind of like little fundamentals. Like, yeah. I, w- I was already in the in that frame of mind where I was really trying to check that. W- that I, I i was having a he- as health as healthy a relationship as possible with the thing that i love to do you know yeah. and, and it wasn't damaging you i think funny. yeah i mean like you said though we're all and i noticed that sammy was nodding when you were saying oh yeah, yeah. And i just found <laughs> i was taking on too much stuff so i mean mm-hmm. sammy you, you seem to sort of be nodding away going yeah totally do that i mean is that a similar sort of thing for you mate i think it's similar for all of us freelance mm-hmm. people like obviously we love what we do so we want to do it and you also never know what's going to happen next week Mm-hmm. you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's not like a nine-to-five job where you have a contract for a year you know like so you know exactly what you're doing for that whole year you're doing this job you're working in this area mm-hmm. and this is the amount of money you're going to make at the end of that year yeah. whether or not it's about money i think that's mm-hmm. always in the back of your head so if someone offers you a gig and you can do it somehow doesn't matter if it's you're healthy fitting. for you if you can fit it in that night you mm-hmm. do it yeah so yeah. like i've been in the exact same situations like I used to perform, I mean, on, a, on an extremely busy night, I could perform up to nine times in one night. Wow. You know? And was that healthy for me? Not at all. And I only truly realized that during COVID. So mm. 
during the first pandemic, then in, what was it, October time. The I, first pandemic? Is there a second one? <laughs> the first no! lockdown. <laughs> Dan, it's been going on for 10 years. <laughs> for anyone listening at this point, it hasn't. Just in case you some sort of podcast coma. It's not that bad. Oh, the, so the first lockdown, phew. <laughs> so when, when we were allowed to start performing again in October, mm. I performed oh. in October and I did six in one night on i think yeah. the second day i performed after wow. the whole of the first lockdown wow. and on the sunday morning i woke up and i was like i feel terrible mm -hmm. and this is what i always used to feel like on a saturday and a sunday and i mm. haven't felt like this since march <laughs> so actually mm. this is from just doing too much at night time and actually a few years ago like you know i train really hard i eat really well in my my, my context of what is good and well so i decided to go to um an Olympic sports specialist to have loads of bloods taken and have my gut tested and saliva and all this sort of stuff tested to see what was going on inside of me to actually see how healthy I actually was. Wow. And um, I did it on a Sunday because it had to be a day that you didn't train and Sunday's the only day that I don't train. Um, but Sat Friday and Saturday are my busiest teaching and performing days. Um, and the results came back on a Sunday. So my testosterone levels for my age of my height, blah, 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 all of that should be around about 120. I have no idea what that number actually means, but that's what she said. She said it should be around about 120. And my testosterone was two. She was wow. like, you have absolutely no testosterone whatsoever. She was like, we, I sent it back to the lab to get the test redone because I thought that they had messed it up, but it came back exactly the same. You had no testosterone. So what was and the impact on that like, on you? Well, that's what she asked me. She was like, do you feel like your testosterone is low? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like what, what sort of question is that? She's like, well, do you feel like your testosterone is lower than your friends? I'm like, all my friends do what I do. Like right. all my friends are in the circus. So we all are fatigued. We all are tired. You know, like, mm. you know my other friends that aren't in the circus are my musician friends that are, performing with me so they're the same as me they're tired as well yeah so um i wouldn't even know how to how, i wouldn't even know how to start measuring my level of like not not actually getting an accurate number but how, how do i feel in terms of my testosterone i wouldn't know where to begin i mean i no. could tell you i just don't yeah. know how much you want me to go in well, depth I, i've got like i've got two thumbs on one hand oh. and one one thing that people always ask me is like well how does it feel i'm like well i don't know like well how, how is that something you know if you, if you have <laughs> If you have the thing, you don't know what the other thing feels like. That's the definition of having thing right. A. Don't don't have thing I, I don't even know what my thumb feels like. Exactly. What kind of question is that? I don't think I can feel my thumbs. What's like? <laughs> I never considered this. What's going on? No, I, <laughs> it's, a, it's a real it's a revelation. <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry. <laughs> How's your testosterone now, though? Is it is it above that? I mean, did you have to do something to bring it up? It was I mean, that, the, was it not a problem? I mean, it, the, what we figured out was so my cortisone levels because so at night time like i would perform until maybe 12 30 at night or i'd get home around about 12 30 at night i'm hungry so i get home mm. i eat i still have that adrenaline from performing yeah um so maybe i'd get into bed at 1 30 i wouldn't fall asleep like we're talking into an, a rem deep REM. sleep until yeah. maybe 3 34 and then i'm waking up at eight nine o'clock because i don't sleep very well so i'm not getting efficient sleep because of my cortisone levels being wrong because I'm most awake at the time that you should be asleep because we all perform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. My cortisone levels are all messed up. So what my body did was 
oh, okay, it's a Sunday, I'm giving you absolutely no testosterone, so this means you just have to stay on the sofa and do nothing all day for us to recover from the week that we've just had. So it's my body trying to figure Mm. out to make me not do something. Wow. that clever? It's so clever. I mean, that's putting it mildly again. I mean, and and that sounds so dumb to say, it's so clever, isn't it? (laughs) It's incredible that your body knows... Okay, Sammy, this, you know, this is a Sunday. It doesn't know it's a Sunday, yeah, I hope, because yeah. if it does know what day of the week is, that's I really feel like my body knows yeah. that it's a Sunday because when <laughs> I used to training. perform on Sundays, my body yeah, would be yeah. like, uh, it's a Sunday, you shouldn't be performing, that so I'm going to make sure that you're really bad today. Yeah. And I mean, it well, also explains the fact that um, prior to all of this, my, on a Friday, mm. obviously Thursday, Friday, Saturday for, for all of us, you know, tend to be the days where you're most mm. likely to be working, but predominantly Fridays and Saturdays. And, um, I would always be, but if I didn't have a gig on a Friday and I was at home with my wife, uh, she would be, she'd start to get really pissed off with me around seven or half six to seven, because I've gone through a phase of from about four to half five, I'm at a low and I'm sort of like oh, I'm a bit sleepy and a bit whatever. Half mm. six onwards, I start perking up, you know, yeah, and I yeah, start to get a bit, bit wired and I'm just like, it's gig time. You know? And I struggled big time yeah. with that at the beginning of lockdown. That's partly why she's like, do, do you know what? It's, it's almost like your body <laughs> knows that it's going to be action time yeah. soon. So it goes into like a chill mode yeah, yeah, and, it yeah. goes, and it's like, I'm going to preserve maximum energy for as long as possible. I'm going to like, and Kirsty, my wife would be worried about me getting out to get in the car to go to a gig because I honestly look, I'm about to fall asleep. And I don't worry about it. It's just, this is just... I just feel like this before I have to be in the zone. And then suddenly out of nowhere, then it's like all this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like Sammy, like you just said, the adrenaline after a gig, I get home about half 12. For me, I think a big, big issue when I was, um, when I was at my heaviest was the fact that I would eat. Sometimes I'd stop on the way home from gigs and I'd buy Mm, food and I'd eat it, you know, and I'd buy two of everything because why not? Uh, And then I'd get home and I'd do it again or I'd have the leftover dinners that would be, you know, and I'd find myself going to bed at half one, you know, and truly. So what you're saying, and this is the very definition of why this podcast exists, Mm. makes me feel so much better because I go through exactly the same thing. And you know, knowing the little I know about you, Sammy and Dan, you know, and to look at you, Sammy, in my eyes, you look like you are tip top in terms of your fitness, if physically, uh, and like, I'm not. Oh, thanks. I noticed you're not, you're not mentioning <laughs> me. Well, I know you, Dan. I'll, you take, know, I'll yeah. take that as a uh, cuss. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a minute, aren't we? We're gonna Dan, you look like you've been piling through the pieces. <laughs> No, actually, I didn't think you were in the studio. I thought you were just sitting in a pizza box. <laughs> True. Yeah, like, I'm sitting oh, heaven. Looking, looking at what you do, Sammy, and, and it, arguably you could sit there thinking, well, Sammy, you know, Sammy Deneen is, you know, he's at the peak of his physical fitness. But now I know that when you go home or, you know, you, you mm. do exactly the same things as me, that's reassuring. Um, I think in, it's because there is a, a, a huge lack of knowledge, research, understanding into... Totally that area like because why would anyone spend the money to do research into how performers should recover at twelve thirty at night there's just mm-hmm. no money in it for them to do that research yeah agreed agreed i also think that we um the lots of um performing arts uh one of the the other things that doesn't get talked about a lot is psychology mm-hmm. um and in, and it's interesting if you took kind of say our level of performance just to be like you know if you, if you took it into a, like a sporting 
uh, arena. I have people who are similarly, you know, a lot of a lot of teams like clubs, whatever sport, it's quite normal to have a team psychologist, a sports psychologist as part of your your team. You know, you have top tier Premier League uh, clubs and the, the the team sports psychologist is an important part of the of, of of the makeup there. But you'd never get it in. A, I don't know one orchestra or top you know band of of you know even the highest caliber that no nobody thinks to have a psychologist on board and like. It's a similar, you know, the the either one some of the books that I found the most useful about kind of all of this side of stuff, like is actually sports psychology books. They're yeah, fantastic. Because it's the same thing. And he's mm-hmm. doing this thing where it's a perform it's a performance demand. You know, it's um it's something where you need to be like the head game that supports what you're doing and also the ability to just kind of deliver when you need to. It just has got a lot of uh, analogies with sports. Yeah. But in in sports it's a really normal thing to talk about the psychology. And in other performing arts in performing arts it's it's not so much, which is weird because we're artists and we talk about our feelings like all the time, you know? <laughs> but um, well, I, I had um well we had a, a, a we had a a gymnast who's heading off mm. to Tokyo uh, a couple of episodes ago and her name Danusha Francis she said into Tokyo 2020 so good luck Danusha when you get there if it goes 2020 ahead. I hope uh, oh wait what are we in now 2021 she's a time, time traveler <laughs> it's still known as Tokyo 2020 <laughs> which confused me when I was Facebooking it the okay other day. oh I but see she was in that podcast we discussed the fact that um and it's interesting because we had Danusha we had um a guy called Chris Garner who who's a he 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 designs hats but he's also a drag mm. artist and we were discussing the whole um mode thing and kind of switching from your day-to-day mode of yourself your personality if you like whatever you want to call it um and the fact that the second yeah the second I step on mm. stage and I, you know Dan you know you and I've performed together I don't even maybe you've not noticed mm-hmm. it, but I have to case the joint first of all. I have to see it. But the yeah. second I'm on that stage, boom, like a common boom. criminal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see what you can nick. I've got tons of cutlery at home. Thank you very much. Um, but, the, but the very fact is, and again, I did not expect um, you know somebody who is of the level of you know going to the Olympics to say exactly the same mm-hmm. thing. And she said prior to it, she's just a normal self. She's psyching herself up. Of course, she's, you know, going through the routine. Mm. She's, she's thinking about her routines and what she needs to do. But mm. she almost feels completely different, like it's just switched on. And mm. like you, you mentioned, about, there's, there's BAPAM. I don't know if you've ever been to, to um, BAPAM, but BAPAM is, um, I never remember what it's called. I think it's the British Association of Performing Arts Medicine. All right, nice. right. No, 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 no. Bapam, yes. There you go. There's our musicality on a full show for everybody. That's what COVID has done to us. You started doing that. I was like, what the hell is he doing? Bapam, if Bapam, if you're listening, if you would like to get some audio branding, then just speak to me and Tom. Session musicians available for hire. But yeah, so Bapam is something that I was put onto by the MU when I had a vocal issue. Uh, and they uh, they are actually uh, they are huge in terms of they offer a wide and variety a mm. wide variety of, of different um, I don't know care things if you like for performing arts people so that nice. would apply to you Sammy as well dude so nice. if you're not aware of it Bapam are there well when I like I I teach circus and I teach circus um, to all levels but I have a few people from the circus school so I teach handstands at the circus school for people who want to do it professionally and when people ask me what that's like a lot of the time it's it's I'm teaching psychology mm. like mm. It, it, it's more of that than actually teaching them handstands and now I'm not a psychologist in the slightest I'm not saying that but it's more like no. you know 
and as you two know, because you have trained in one specific thing for so long, you will understand how frustrating that thing can be. You know, how yeah. one day you can be in the mood and everything's working, and the next day you're hitting all the wrong keys or whatever, and it's just yeah. not working, and you lose your temper. And I can just sit there and lose my temper with them, say, why you're doing that, mm. but that's not helping them. I actually feel like it's more I'm helping them with the psychology, where to sure. put their head. Like, okay, it's not going well today, so what do we need to do when it's not going well? What do we need to think mm. about rather than actually like drilling them on their things? So I think, like, as Dan was saying, like, psychology is such a huge thing. Mm. And I've, like Dan, I've been reading sports psychology books to try and translate it into what I do. Interesting. Why yeah. is there, like, I mean, especially in circus, there isn't anything about circus. No. You know, like, because why would there be? Like, money, everything's about money now, and sports has money. So I, I've been very lucky that um, I met with, with the Chelsea football team, the under-16s under team, and I met with their coach and their sports and science coach, and I was oh, chatting God. with them because they have all the money in the world. Yeah, and yeah. what they do with their kids is phenomenal. Like they had this one player who couldn't, who never turned left. He would always turn right. So they got, you know, like a... Um... Derek Zoolander? Was he called Derek Zoolander? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, they got a ball machine to fire a ball at him and it would move in different directions. And he used to have to catch a ball and put a ball in a box behind him. And no there was... Way behind him and they used to say seven in the left one 12 in the middle and then two on the right and they kept doing that to make him turn in the other direction because they had the money to take that chance mm, they take the time wow. out with him as well yeah whereas so nobody many, else does well, arts, I mean, there isn't the money for that no i mean i'm a secondary school teacher uh, by day um when i'm not sitting in an office you know doing podcasts and playing music and stuff but uh, like you've just said you know i consider that yeah i'm teaching them some skills but fundamentally it's um it's breaking those, it's sound really cliche, but it is almost breaking those boundaries and teaching them how to overcome uh, yeah. those hurdles. And yeah, yeah. only very, I, you know, when I say recently, I've been teaching for 10, 10 plus years now. And it, it wasn't immediately that I realized that for me, it was, it was like, well, of course you can do that. Just do it. That's mm. it. But it, you know, it took maybe about a year and a half into it. And I was like, ah, hang on what these students and that's because you know for me if i want to play something on the piano i'll just sit down and i'll do it you know i'll go through that process that i have in order to do that and it, you know very quickly um i realized that actually that the students don't have that process they've not got that path yet they haven't found it and it's not that they can follow the same journey there's that word it always crops up in some form in this podcast but they can't follow the same route that i am because they're going to be mm. different so but yeah confidence is, is such a huge mm. issue with young people um, they are so capable. Every one of my students are so capable. And what stops them uh, 90% of the time is the fact that they think they can't do it. Yeah. Um, and the case is that, yeah, well, you can't yet. That's yeah. the one thing I say to my kids now is, look, if you're going to tell me you can't do it, yeah. if you're going to say that sentence in my classroom, you've got to add this word at the end. Because actually that opens it up to the possibilities that you will be able to one day. It just might take time. I, I, uh, I think it's partly the, the, the artistic sensibility of like not wanting to like big big yourself up or like put lots of people a bit shy about being like i'm great at this yeah. also seems to be a very this country british thing of being like oh no couldn't possibly i'm not the best at anything and people don't want to fail as well and and people yeah exactly i i think um there's something in a, a bit more like a Ameri in the american kind of kind of it's it's kind of like interesting how much it's like uh in, in america that kind of attitude they have 
is like they don't care if they i mean if they're basically pretty much incompetent like the belief comes first right and then they'll pick it up and that's actually like as as as, as much as we love to laugh at our, our brothers in america for whatever like as, there's there's a lot to be said for just believing in yourself you know and it's not something that i think that 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 feels very kind of british as far as i know or like other people i know i think it's quite consistent this thing of like oh where are you from oh, i'm from blackburn oh it's shit isn't it yeah it's a bit shit you know <laughs> like, like it's kind of our sense of humor as well it's just how how we how we think and talk but we we don't like pe- people saying oh i'm really good at this thing is it's like it's a bit of a no-no for us culturally for whatever reason yeah and i i had this one opportunity to speak to a load of like undergrads at liverpool uh, liverpool performing arts um and they're all people kind of in the third year and i was like I did a masterclass for them and kind of took and had a lot of fun showing them through different stuff I do, different music I've done and like, you know, what I've been up to with the label and what bands I've recorded with and albums. And pl- I kind of played them like, this is what I've been doing. And, and also like, but the, the th- I was, re- I really put a lot of time into thinking about it. I kind of, because I was like, I've got an hour and a half, two hours where people are just about to step out in the world and do this crazy transition that we've all done into trying to do your own independent like, life as a, as a creative and um, I was like, what, do, what, what would I wish that I was told at that point? What's the thing that I really wish I was told? So I tried to really focus on drilling down to them. I was like, we can't have people like Donald Trump and people like that who have absolutely this unending reservoir of belief in themselves despite any kind of knowledge in, in the subject. Like whatever the subject is, Donald Trump knows the best about that subject. I, you know, we can't have a world full of people like that who are so full of confidence in what they're doing you know, and you guys not allow yourself to feel the same. It's like, I want you all to be more like Trump. And I said it just to like, kind of be a bit provocative. I was like, come on, like, you've got to accept that there's something about that belief in yourself, which is, which is good. Mm-hmm. And it's going to help you get through all this stuff. And, and the other thing I was saying, which I think we haven't really touched on yet, I was like, I don't care how arty you, any of you are, how brilliant you are at creating and expressing yourself as I, all of you are stepping out to start your own business. You may be very good at like creating things or doing your thing that is your talent that you've trained for all your life. But if you don't start thinking about this as a business that you're starting and you manage well and you think and you plan ahead about, well, what's this leading to? What am I doing two years from now, three years from now? Then you won't get to do the expressy art stuff for very long. No. It just won't happen. Won't happen. And it's like, like that, that persistent persistence and like thinking about what you're doing seriously believing yourself that you believe you can do it but believing that like it's believing that you deserve to be a business that survives and looks after yourself for, for 10 15 years believing that that's something that you have a right to do you know like i was just tr- trying to because those are the things i think the mental like we talked a bit about mental hurdles those are the things i think have been consistent mental hurdles it's like oh you know why do i think i should uh, do why do i deserve to be like that why do i deserve to do yeah. artsy fun stuff why do yeah. i think i'm uh, this is something i was supposed to do or like why do i think i get that's to be where like, the, the whole idea of imposter syndrome comes in doesn't it because there's no part which we all my, have yeah. yeah there's no part of my life where i think actually i uh maybe not i deserve to be here um yeah, with with every facet of my life, I sort of think, well, I suck at this a little bit. So why are you talking <laughs> to me about it? 
Um, but actually, I think what I have to acknowledge now is that I don't. <laughs> yeah. I think. You no. Know, um, but that feels good saying that. And actually, I know it's what people want to hear sometimes. Yeah. And, and um, I guess people do, you know, like the very, very first uh, gig I did with you, you know, with a pro band, mm-hmm. you know, why would, why would somebody want to book me in and go and mm-hmm. do that? But, but you know, yeah. obviously somebody saw something they liked and it's not, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not my place to say, no, you don't want me. I'm not good enough. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if that person has seen me and liked that and liked what I was about and liked how I performed, then that's, I suppose that's my yeah. resume, isn't it? That's what they're, they're buying. Yeah, yeah. But Dan, at this point, I think, um, you know, you've been mentioning your, your stuff. I think we should hear a piece of music of yours, if that's cool. Oh, um, yeah, please, yeah. And obviously, usually uh, in, in the Wedding Thinners podcast, we would normally have live music in the studio, um, but that's obviously really tricky to do online. Um, mm. So um, Dan has uh, very, very kindly, um, you've prepared a couple of pieces of music for us. Uh, so um, we're going to have one now. We'll have one just to wrap up uh, the podcast near the end. So what is it we're going to have now, dude? Um, well, I think first one to start with um, is a, a single called Heart is Beating. So it's like that's the debut single of this um, this project I've been kind of working on for a while called The Third Estate. It's like a jazz musicians, uh, UK rappers, MCs, all coming together to do this kind of like heart meeting point between like uh, jazz disciplines and, and hip hop stuff. And um, and it's this this one has a guest verse from a really big name in kind of the uk hip-hop community uh, ty ty who sadly did pass away last year from covid and um and we 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 i was really lucky to be able to work with him and to record this so it feels like it's been a very it's been a a a mixed bag emotionally finishing this we're really proud of it really glad i got a chance to do something with him and that feels like because it's the debut release and it's with this absolutely awesome guy who's no sadly no longer with us then that feels like the best starting point to to be like what what i've been what i've been working on really sure well and obviously you know i don't know if it will mean much but our thoughts to all of their all of his um, family and shit like that yeah yeah terrible time well look let's do him uh, the utmost honor and uh, and play uh, play that track with uh, with ty on it um so this is the third estate is it the third estate or can i just say third estate? yeah the third estate i I put the in there don't i i mean it's like yeah. I believe third estate without the the was taken actually. So oh, you know. okay, cool. well, this is the third estate uh, with heart is beating. Find a loophole, jazz it up like RuPaul Trying to be great, who's trying to see Zeus fall? Thoughts of melancholy, sing hymns like Helen Gully Paint a picture full of words, what you sing it for me? And I'm supposed to be here, openly colloquially rare Rummage through the debris, damage is severe You will find gems hidden deep within the air The globe is your oyster, walk like an elephant If you're not aware of your worth, you're irrelevant I'm a vibe celebrant, I control the temperature That's why I walk with the swag of an emperor I can bring an end to the folly False rains only need a brolly, oh gosh, oh golly my unusual style will confuse you a while But if you do your homework, you'll be cooler than Miles Davis And you know we hit the beat line And the crowd sounded so sweet like I see my mammy on the keys line 
give the voice to my pain I just walk in the wind Need to fly to a place I'm about run this course Just a flash in my brain Mine is cold and defeated The queen's in the race <laughs> Tough love loves tough in the moment Feel rough, rough feels the emotion Just pain, no trust, need a potion House cool to adopt or to broken In retrospect, peak my dialect Compose my thoughts, is it lust? That's a different threat In four, I preach, never love That a shooting tech In four, my mind pretty blind Yeah, I need to check Mind on a different wave Thoughts in the silly face Lies got me feeling rage Disgust with a bit of taste Picking up my bag as I head out Sitting on the bus, head in hand Need another round, yeah ladies and gents there it is heart is beating by the third estate thank you very much for uh, prepping that for us dan and as i said uh, we've got another uh, track of yours coming at the end as well um Hi. and thank you for playing the end of the song live so that we could all pretend we'd heard it and clap. Um, <laughs> yes. but in truth we're going to punch no it problem. in <laughs> um um I like where this is going and the conversation is really, really flowing uh, quite easily and quite naturally. And I know that because I looked at my watch a minute ago and we'd been going for, you know, something like nearly an hour um, and it just time was flying. But I'd like to go back to you, Sammy, because, you know, near the beginning of the podcast, we were talking about your training. Uh, we were talking about, you know, the process um, and the, the journey and the route that you, you took to get to where you are now. But I would just like to cover the fact that I'm fairly certain and i really hope that there were some um occasions where you were struggling uh with what you were doing and what you were learning and i'm sure that there were mental barriers there as well and what i'd be curious to know is how did you overcome those moments where you know you might have been trying to learn something that was or, or try to master something uh, that was really tricky your brain's saying can't do this and you know what it, what was it that made you continue how did you overcome that feeling well to give you a little insight into handstands um you very much train the same thing every single day so you train the same thing and like i'm talking like at the, the start of lockdown when i had nothing else to do i was training handstands between six to eight hours a day wow so six to eight hours six days a week so let's say on the monday you've gone really well you know make it really simple you did a one minute handstand and then on friday you can't even do 10 seconds, but you feel fine. Yeah. You, you yeah. feel strong. You feel fine. You just can't do it. You, you're falling at 10 seconds. 
well, where's the rest? Where's those 50 seconds gone? Like, it's not like, oh, you can't make it by one second. It's you are now awful today. And it's like, it's not just you're not flexible or you're not strong. It could be like your central nervous system is just too tired. You're, it's balanced. Handstands is more balanced than anything. So if your balance is off on that day, you, you, you just can't do anything. And you just keep falling over. You kick up to handstand. You're going to start your sequence and you've fallen over before it's even started. So handstands in the circus world is known as one of the most frustrating disciplines. Mm. Like I have done other disciplines in the circus world and I spent one day and I've learned to trick and I can leave it six years and six years later, I can go back and do that trick my first try. Whereas handstands, if I take six days off, I've lost a lot of my ability already. A lot of the, the very minute intrinsic balancing has started to deplete from me. It's not like I've lost dramatic amount of strength or anything like that. It's just that that nuance of saving yourself from falling over has started to go. So you're more likely to, to fall over. Yeah. So yeah. handstands is extremely frustrating. There are many hand balancers that have broken their fingers or knuckles from punching the floor while in a handstand because they're falling over or um, have stamped their feet on the floor or thrown their equipment across the room. Like there, many of us have had many, many temper, temper tantrums. <laughs> Goodness. Um, so all hand balancers go through many stages, like lots and lots throughout a year of them just wanting to give up, just like yeah. being so fed up with having to train it. Every how do you overcome? How do you overcome that? What is it about you that makes you not give up? It's part of it's like when you do have those days off, you start feeling guilty. Mm. Because you, this is what I've been doing for 10, 11 years. Am I really just going to throw it away and waste all that time and energy that I've put into it? Yeah, yeah. You know, like this is something I do enjoy. This something I love. But I also, you think back, okay, well, I remember three months ago when I couldn't do this and then I could do it. Or I remember two years ago when you lost, like it does come back. You just have to put that effort in for it to come back. It will yeah. always come back as long as you put the effort in. You know, and I have learned over the years now, if I put my mind to something, I will get it back in six weeks. Yeah. You know, whatever. It's, it's, it's interesting because like the reason I asked that question and, you know, uh, predominantly, obviously um, the podcast is originally about weight loss and, and kind of moved into sort of more of the mental health aspects of, of people's lives generally. Um, you know, I, I've been going through a really rough patch with my eating or so I thought, um, you know, and I've been beating myself up about the fact that, you know, I had a pound gain you know, and, and I hadn't lost and I was really winding myself up. And I still, despite the, the multitude of people saying, look, you know, you're in a lockdown, you're living, breathing, you're living, uh, breathing, sleeping. You are in the same space as three other human beings, 24 uh, seven. And it's to be expected and stop beating yourself up. It was my, my um, May, uh, May Kovakova, who is my um, physical trainer. She's one of my physical trainers. She's amazing. And she was on one of our very, very first podcasts that we did. And um, she basically said, uh, get over it, dickhead. That was, <sighs> a, that was actually it. Um, she said, like, stop yeah. being a dickhead, basically. Uh, and that's where it comes to. But, you know, despite the fact that I often cannot see my successes when it comes to any of my weight um, loss uh, and any of that sort of um, those successes, I can't see. And, and it's, the, very, and I, it's very hard for anyone to see their own personal successes, especially when it comes to weight, because the, your gauge of your weight is the scales. Yeah. And actually, like, I have a big issue with weighing yourself and actually feeling happy or sad because of what that number said on your scales, because yeah. actually 
where did that pound go or where did that pound where was it put on was it muscle was it fat yeah. why did it is it water retention did you weigh yourself at night time instead of the morning time because i know i can fluctuate between one to one and a half kilos yeah well these are all the things that i've i've learned along the way uh, i've been doing this now for like three years and you know i've nearly lost i've nearly this is the frustrating thing and i think this might be a big uh, a big catalyst in the way i was feeling i've nearly lost three stone mm. and i've always kind of been teetering on that that little ledge and i reckon as soon as i drop it and i'm at three stone it will be another you know another uh, effort uh, amount of effort to get to the next bit um but yeah i i totally get that now and that's something that i was completely um ignorant about 100% ignorant about like water retention what you know and mu- i mean i knew about muscle weighing weighing more um, although yeah. somebody else you know and it wasn't until really getting involved this time with my sort of weight loss and really focusing um that actually all those things became way more apparent that i've put on a lot of muscle i've gained mm-hmm. muscle um i know that i am stronger i haven't you know the back issues that i've had historically touch wood um you know because of the training that i've been doing with may and with elliot who's also been a guest has has basically not not returned you know because i'm stronger and my body is able to cope with it um and i'm ignoring the fact that i've been training and lifting weights and doing boxing and all of those things i'm ignoring that um and the fact that that has gained Mm. muscles in areas that i never had muscles before um but yeah i find it really hard to see my successes but i I bet you're the same with your music as well i bet you're like oh why am i not doing this why am i not doing this and you and you're forgetting the thing you did the other week that was sick that was amazing and you loved and it just totally (laughs) obliterated it from your mind because absolutely you you always focus on the l's and not the the w's (laughs) yeah i mean it's totally that and it's like what am I expecting? Like, uh, like so I need somebody with me. Oh, by the way, that was really good. You did really well there. You're great at mm. this. Don't worry, Tom. We got this. And I was in my Slimming World meeting, and I think I might have said this in my last podcast um, mm. last week. But it was the lady who runs my Slimming World group called Lorraine. She's amazing, and um, she she's been so good for me. And when we first started, I was like, I don't want to really want. I don't really want to do this. Uh, you know, I don't want to weigh myself. I don't want to know my weight. I don't want to talk. And I was a right little bastard, basically. <laughs> And she kind of won me around to the idea of doing it. And, you know, it has been good. And in this virtual group we're doing, uh, you know, I was moping about and I was pretty emotional, actually, if I'm honest, on that day. And uh, she said, OK, well, Tom, what are your non-scale victories? And it was a real toys out of the prime moment. It was like, well, I haven't got any at all. <laughs> I couldn't see any. You know, and I wasn't, bi- I wasn't being a bitch about it, but I was just uh, so, like my mood was so dark. Yeah. I just couldn't, I couldn't see it. I was like, well, I haven't got any. And she quick as you like, it was like a virtual, (laughs) virtual face slap. She said, okay, so the fact that this month, you know, you and your mate have walked 400 miles for charity. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. All right. She said, the fact that you're, you you know, you've added five extra notches to your belt. I was like, okay, fine, fine, whatever. The fact that this, the fact that this, the fact that this, Mm. and like very quickly, like you said, I had that sudden list that was coming to me from, and that's, you know, part of the reason why I go there. And then, you know, and it didn't take me out of mm. my mood immediately. I've mm. learned that my, I'm, I'm internally a bit of a sulk when, when it's not quite going well. You know, mm. I sulk for a couple of days and I can't Very see. Very British. Yeah, I'm just like, well, it's not working. And even though I'm like, well, I'm looking at the successful thing here. Suppress you know, the feelings, suppress them deep down, <laughs> deep down. So, yeah, I find that absolutely <laughs> fascinating, man. So, yeah, that's you, where I've been. You kind of went back to like psychology there, mm. you know. She had to talk to you in a certain way about a certain thing for you to make you realize that actually you have been successful, you know, yeah. because you were upset, you were down in a rut. So you have to go, wait a second, let's These actually are the look good at things, Sunny Jim. Yeah. It's, it's odd though. And yeah. I question, like, why is that? Because if a student came to me, 
or you know if anybody came to me in a similar fashion i would i'd be on that train of you know i'd be on that success train going hey listen these are all the amazing things mm. you do but i don't apparently i don't listen to what i preach quite often um but no none of us do no man no, no. That mad i it's say a, that to my yeah. students all the time i'm like look yeah I know I'm a hypocrite for saying this because I don't listen to myself, but I can tell you. Yeah. You need to do this. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's always the advice you give to other people the most, which you yes. struggle to, to, to impart on yourself, you know, and you're, you're telling other people, externalizing all the time. You guys really watch out for this, watch out for this little thing. And that, that generally, that will be the one that you're like, Damn, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, listen, um, Sammy, you, um, you spoke about your training. You started in the circus school in London, and you did some time abroad as well. I, when I say did some time, you didn't end up in jail abroad. Uh, you <laughs> went Thailand. and trained abroad. Um, yes. So you went to Kiev, and you did some training there. So what was different about the training you got in Kiev in comparison to So London? I don't know if this is the same in music, actually, but in circus there are different styles. So in hand balancing, there are different techniques. There is the Russian technique, you could say there's the Chinese technique and then the rest of us. Um, and the Russians, the Ukrainians are known as being the best hand balances in the world or the Russians, Chinese and Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. um, and so all my favorite hand balances come from Kiev. So I was like, I want to know what the secret is. And I'm sure many of your students have asked you what's the secret to doing something. And so I decided, right, they're all the best. There must be a secret. They must train a certain drill or they must do something that's different to the rest of us that we don't know. And I'm going to be the one that's going to go and find out. So I went to Kiev and my mum, as when I was a kid, because um, she was a single mum, three children, she didn't have much money. If I wanted to do something, I had to do it for eight weeks because I would go and do it. And then I'd come back home and I'd cry because say I didn't like it and it was because I just didn't have any friends because it was my first time. So she would make me go for eight weeks and then I could make my decision. So mm -hmm. as an adult, I've always kept that rule. If I'm going to do nice. something, I'll do it for eight weeks. That is cool. So I went to Kiev and I said, I'm going to do this for eight weeks. And I arrived in Kiev and I was 21 now. And I arrived in Kiev and I rang my mom crying saying, I want to come home. <laughs> I was like, this place is horrible. It's cold. It's dark. The place I'm staying in is cockroach infested. There's no, um, the oven doesn't work. There's no microwave. There's no toaster. There's no washing machine. The bath is um, like, I can't even fit in it. Like, you know, it was proper Eastern European. And as a spoilt British person, that was a shock to my system. Where's the um, Costa? Where's the Costa? There was, there was nothing like that. Oh like I just, but like, I was like, I didn't know how. I, I, I can cook. Like I'm very good at cooking, but to not have a microwave confused me. I was like, what, I have to do baked beans in a pan? Wait, there are no baked beans? I'm so confused. Um, so I went to this school, and do you know what the secret was? They work and train harder than me. <laughs> well there you go that was it they would do nine till two monday to friday and then nine till one on a saturday of just handstands wow that's how much they would train and their life was much harder than my life so and circus in russia and ukraine in up until about 2000 was one of the highest art forms to do there was a lot of money put into circus so if you were a high level circus artist, if you were the best hand balancer in Ukraine, then you were essentially like a god for them. It was a massive thing. So there was a hand balancer from Ukraine who 
had all the gigs around the world, had earned a lot of money, and everyone wanted to be that person. Wow. They were striving to be that person, whereas in the UK, oh, you know, if you mess it up, then you'll just, you know, parents will pay for you to do another degree or something. So mm-hmm. they so had a different fight. Who, who did you train with in, in, uh, in Kiev? So I didn't really train with anyone because I didn't speak Ukrainian. They didn't speak English. Ah, okay, cool. Uh, so the coach would just kind of shout things randomly at me and Love it. slap me. And I mean, it's handstands. There's only so many mm. that you can do wrong. Sure, yeah, your yeah, chest okay. is out. That's wrong. Your chest is in. That's right. Okay. Your shoulders pushing or it's not. It, it, it's pretty simple, but cool. being mm. surrounded by people that are amazing yeah. makes mm. you much better. Yeah, like, it raises what, your game. I, what I thought was very difficult mm. to them was easy. So my opinion or my thoughts of, oh, mm. but I thought that was hard, but everyone here is doing it. Mm. Two weeks later, I'm doing it because everyone else is doing it. Whereas in the UK, no one was doing that. How did it feel in terms of, did you have that that thing that you get where like you've gone from this situation in in this bubble that you're in in the UK where you're you're one of the people who's really good at this, right? And then you've gone into this environment of like, oh, everyone around you is like better or really, just really, really, really good at this thing. Identity-wise, what does that do? is Is that like a little bit of a attack on like your sense of self or like because i think that that is a really good experience but it's not like it's, it's it sounds like well i think those things are quite challenging basically first personally for me i i do better being surrounded people by people that are better than me what does it make it, you it, feel it just makes me work harder because i want to be on their par yeah so nice. it's like determination isn't there yeah it just i think for me it just when I was better than other people in the UK, when I didn't know anyone else, I didn't know where to push myself. Whereas I, mm. I had five other people in the room that I could lock up to be like, oh, I want to do that. I want yeah, to do that. Yeah. So I'm going to work what they do to get to that level. Whereas okay. in the UK, it was just me competing with myself. And I really mm. struggled with that. Mm. Oh, cool. Yeah, man. Well, listen, you know, I've seen the videos of, of you doing what you do and it's mind blowing uh and you know and, and I, I know i said earlier on but <clears throat> if you are listening and you know once you're finished with the podcast you know if, after you told all your friends about the podcast uh, do check out sammy uh, and uh, i've been watching some on youtube while we've been here i've been watching like just on the corner it's just good isn't it to, yeah it's wicked i mean that's an understatement that, but it's in, good in, in a in like the movie of your life, I can really picture the the po- the part where you're in Ukraine and you're getting shouted at in a foreign language. It's got to have been a montage. There's, co- there's cockroaches in the flat, and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> it needs to have been that. How do I cook the beans? Oh, the beans. The beans. <laughs> oh, there's a film there. there Let's is. make it happen. There we go, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. What will we call it? The hand balancer. It has to be the hand balancer. It's or a just balancer. Day. Yeah, cool. The balance. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, listen, Sammy. If we, if we discover you've made a film about your life, we do know that it originated here. Hey, Net- Netflix, man! Like yeah. the, the the Queen's Gambit. This is the next thing. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Start with a podcast about health and fitness and weight loss. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, listen, I'm loving this. Okay, cool. Well, that's another job for us to do. Something to keep us busy. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, so, Dan, you um, you mentioned. I think this is when we were kind of not recording. Oh, it was, it was before we started um, the podcast. Uh-huh. You mentioned we were talking about fitness and health and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and Sammy, I can you know not to ignore what you do, but I can imagine that the training you do and and um, mm. everything that you do basically. Uh, kind of keeps you um, in ship shape um, and I would guess you kind of need to do a few more things 
to sort of really extend your your abilities physically as well uh, but dan you know you, you mentioned um fitness you mentioned your time mm. you know the impact on covid is that we've been pretty sedentary and and oh yeah, yeah. our movement has been restricted somewhat but you came up with something you, you said something that was like ah and i wrote it down straight away because it was it really resonated with something i'd done so what have you mm. been doing to sort of keep yourself fit keep yourself active oh right well um yeah i i i hadn't I've I've tried on and off right to um I'm the, I I love swimming right I love I absolutely love swimming but there's some kind of weird uh, thing for me where I go on holiday I'm doing a gig abroad there's a hotel pool I'll swim every day every day I'm by the sea on holiday I'll swim every day I'll jump in the med I'll be there you won't get me out uh, and and every time I've gone away I'm like oh do you know when I'm get I'm gonna get back I'm gonna swim I'm gonna gonna join the local swimming pool and yeah, I'm going to do it this time. I really am. I really am. And I, and I, and I just never do just like, it's just such a consistent thing of like, I, 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 I realized when a friend who is really, who is a musician, I was a friend I was talking to, I was like, well, how, how do you, what's the secret, you know, to, to, to keeping regular exercise. And so that's the secret for him. He was like, I'm, I'm just, I really enjoy boxing. You know, I just like it. It's something I like doing. So yeah. it's not, you know, it's, it's tough. There's tough things to put the tough elements to it. But fundamentally, it's something that I really enjoy. And I don't think he said to me, I don't think you will find some regular exercise that you would do unless you find that kind of that connection of. That wasn't me that, that said that, was it? Because that's exactly what I do with boxing. Right. That, no way. That's what's got me started. In, in I, the whole believe thing. It's, um, I believe it was off. Uh, do you know Pete Martel? I believe I it do, was yeah. him. Oh, I think right. it was him. Um, yeah, I think because I, I, um, there's, there's um, anyway, yeah, it was just something that resonated with me a little bit that made me think, well, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong, you know, and and in terms of how my health was during lockdown, it's like, I'm not going to lie, great. Um, I, I went in the middle of when we were allowed to do stuff in that brief moment, we got a few gigs in. My friends got married as well when you can have about 30 people at your, your wedding ceremony. And uh, at one point, uh, I can't remember exactly how or why, but I was walking up a hill at one point and I was like, maybe I have COVID now. I feel like I'm not going to make it to the top of the hill. <laughs> and, uh, and, I'm, and, and I didn't have COVID because I did get COVID later on in the year. And, uh, and I was like, okay, well, this is what COVID's like. That was just earlier on, you were climbing the hill and you, you were just in really bad shape. And I hadn't, it was kind of surprising to me because obviously it's a forced change. I hadn't really realized, because in my head I don't exercise anyway, right? Mm. So I hadn't really realized how much of my life is quite active, you know, getting all your instruments together, packing them in the hard case, loading up the car, like, and driving somewhere, unloading, carrying all these heavy equipment about. Like, it's, it's pretty full on, you know, when you go and do yeah, a gig, yeah. like, it's, it's nonstop, and then you're on stage and you're expending energy the whole time when you're practicing yeah. to prepare for it, you're expending energy and... You know, but but you know, being on its on a stage itself and being in that kind of adrenaline-filled kind of performance mode, even though even if it's only an hour, an hour and a half, whatever, that's it's amazing how. Um, it's good exercise. Yeah, exactly, and and weirdly, oh, I, I well, I've got a drum kit here, and I'm not a drummer, and it's I found strangely recently that drummers are less keen to come down. I don't know what's going on, but there must be some kind of issue. Must be some kind of because uh, well, t- technically you are allowed to bring down musicians and work in a studio together. Yeah, you are. Yeah, um, you are. You are allowed to do that, but people are obviously a little bit more generally cautious about meeting up for any reason at the moment. And I was just finding that I was less, you know. Sometimes I do have a drummer down to work on stuff, but I won't just get someone down to like. Let's try and write something 
speculative about let's just try and have a creative day. I'm, I'm slightly less likely to do that because it just kind of feels like an unnecessary mixing of people. So I kind of thought, well, you know what? I really like the drums. I've never really played the drums properly. If I play the drums every day, I've, I've looked at the chart. There's a chart that someone's done that compares different instruments and how many, uh, you know, how many calories you burn in a performance. And drums is the top of that chart. And I was like, you know, I'd love to be able to record drums on my own and play better. And it's going to be, you know, for all the things I have at my disposal here, it's going to be the most physical thing I can do. And I I know that I'll get enough enjoyment out of it that I can sit myself down for an hour and just kind of repetitively try and get something right and try and get it it to the It won't feel like you're exercising either, will it? No, it doesn't. And and, and it forces me to think about my posture while I'm sat there and like, and and how I'm holding myself. And like, you know, my, my flat is, um, I'm not, I think it's 37 square meters or feet. Basically it's whatever the legal minimum is of floor space you can build a one bed to. And uh, cause we, 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 we moved to this flat in Manchester city center thinking, right, we don't, don't need the flat to be big. Cause we're right in the city center. I'm away gigging, gigging all the time, got a baby and but like we've got all these cafes and stuff on our doorstep and venues like Manchester city center. It felt so open. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, oh, it's a small flat, but it's a beautiful flat. And we're right in the middle of the Northern quarter. So it doesn't really matter that it's not very spacious flat because we've kind of got this whole like surrounded by it. Great surrounding us. area that we can use, you know, these parks and all the things on our doorstep. And obviously that's, that's not been there. Uh, it's not been the reality so much. So, um, yeah, so to try and figure out, well, what can I do? for exercise knowing what my own personal mental barriers are but also the fact that like i'm not really not really blessed for a lot of uh, floor space and even to stretch yeah, and yeah. lie down you know um and, and but i'm a i'm a big fan of like just working with what you got you know everyone everyone has some kind of restrictions that they have to yeah, work around some, everybody has to find a little way to make it work and for me that's the, the doing regular drumming uh, is has been part of it. I've got to say the most crucial thing for any of this stuff is actually similar to this podcast that you do. Um, at the very start of the lockdown or like a month in, me and kind of five other guys or, or guys kind of just, I guess, accidental that it's all guys, we realized there was a kind of group of people who run their own businesses. Like two of us are musicians, but the other guys aren't. But we all do our own business. And we realized that we were talking a lot on the phone and being like, have you thought about applying for this grant? Do you know about this thing? And we're just helping each other with problems, man. And we're just being like, oh my God, have you seen this? You know, like just, we, we realized that there was a small group of people calling each other for help. And we're trying to formalize that and like meet up every Monday or, or do a Zoom every Monday or whatever's appropriate, you know, like, and it's just become an accountability group. So if I decide I want to do something like that, I have to message that WhatsApp with a little video of me playing the drums every day. Mm. So I get my tick and I get my little dopamine kick of like the lads all know that I've done my job and we help each other with real business problems or health stuff or just getting up in the morning. If your goal's just, I want to be up before and at my desk before eight, you know, you know, and that, that's been a big part of making any of these little plans actually d- trying to deliver them is getting a bunch of friends to yeah. look out for each other and yeah. be like, Hey, how are you getting on with that goal? Yeah. Nice. You want me to give you a call if you're not up by this time and you know with, without that i think i would have struggled to keep to some of the things i've been uh, forcing myself to do but I've, i think you know especially men talking to each other helping each other out and listening to each other helping each other set and achieve some goals and stuff in this kind of environment it gives me a bit of structure you know in this very unstructured weird uh, i think it's important as well it's so important to to just have that opportunity and to you know 
traditionally, you know, if a guy says something, normally it's laughed off, you know, but actually I think it's important. Oh yeah, we do that too. Oh yeah. And that, but that's really (laughs) important to do that. You've got to have that sense of humor. And you know, Mm. the last thing I want is to lose that, uh, that really, that I'm not gonna say blokey because let's face it. It's not, it's me, but like, I'm not, I don't want to lose that humor that I have with my Mm. friends, but equally my friends, uh, know of my struggles. They know where I'm at mentally. I Mm. know where they're at. You know, you've got a real good sense of who's where. Um, and Mm. I think, um, you know, uh, another real good thing to have come from all of this is the fact that I think people do care and are a bit more sincere with care. And it's not just like, you're right. Yeah, I'm all right. You're right. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, but actually, I think people are, how are you doing? You know, like when we spoke the other day, Dan, you know, it was like, it was really good to catch up. And what mm. what started out as a, as a test bed for seeing whether I could record on Zoom and make this podcast uh, work in this method actually turned into like an hour and a half chat. I and mean, at the end, my wife, my, at the end, my wife was like, "Who was that?" And I was like, well, it's "Dan." It's just really good to chat, and you know, yeah. and to see that oh, Dan's doing this. And so I think mm. what you know, it needs to happen more. I think guys need to be saying, "Look, mate, I'm struggling, and oh, I don't know what to do. What would you do?" Or you know, mm. and, and it not be an embarrassment. But I think uh, it's not, you know, it's not just down to me to to say it and then it will happen. I think it just needs to happen more readily. And, you know, in part, that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful to both of you and to everybody that's um, stopped by and, and had a chat on the podcast mm-hmm. because I really feel it's so important. And I think it's um, hopefully something in my own small measured way um, will help one person or two people or three or whatever that would be cool. fully agree fully agree uh, so uh, yeah so please yeah. Uh, if you're listening and and you know if, if you're going through a shit rough patch have a chat with some friends you trust because um mm. you know i'm sure they're probably uh, equally uh, you know struggling a bit in in, in maybe a different way mm. or in a similar way there, that there must... is something unifying about knowing that we're all in in the same boat somehow in this way you know like well, it's weird to like... say that i feel better because i know my friend feels like shit isn't it do you know yeah. what I mean? like it's weird it's almost like that is it schadenfreude where you sort of take pleasure but it's, yeah i guess so not the pleasure but it's i don't know pleasure in other people's pain yeah but it's the reassurance <laughs> i think more so certainly yeah. for me you know I, I you know like i've just said you don't feel alone do you no i mean and you, and you not, feel like you can do it. yeah absolutely 100 percent. well you know um covid's been a bitch and uh, you guys um being uh, i mean again understatement of the century but you know we we've all um not performed we've not not worked we've uh you know some of us might have really really struggled you know how have you overcome that i mean because i mean we we're, we're close to sort of wrapping up with the podcast now and you know i don't really want to dwell on covid too much because we all know mm. you know we all know what it's about but you know what those first few weeks of we're in a lockdown. We didn't really know what that meant. You know, I was saying, you know, oh, we'll be okay by September. We'll be doing those gigs in September, which are now moved to 2022. And, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I made that statement in a WhatsApp text that was then screenshot the other day and sent back to me. And like, well, really? Um, but um, yeah, what, what were you at? Like, what was your, where was your head at um, around that time, Sammy? I think I, I'm lucky that my, my mum taught me a lot when I was a kid that I was like, all right, okay, so we're in lockdown. And I think they did say something like six weeks or something at the beginning. And I'm like, right, six weeks. Okay, screw it. I'm just going to train as hard as I can for these six weeks. This is a perfect amount of time that I have. I can train as hard as I can and then I can recover well enough because I don't have to do anything. I don't have to perform. I don't have to go out and do anything. I can then literally just lie on the sofa, eat and recover. So I just treated that six weeks as absolute hardcore training. I wanted to get back in the best shape that I've been in physically, mentally, and I was going to do that. So 
I was very lucky that I do handstands mm -hmm. and I need no equipment except a floor. You know, like mm -hmm. all of my other circus friends that do aerial that need to be up in the air 20, 30 feet, they can't do that. So I'm extremely lucky that I can. Um, mm -hmm. Then at the same time, all of my clients that I taught were like, well, Sammy, can you teach online? And I was like, I don't really know if I can. So let's, let's try it. And if you don't like it and I don't like it, then we just won't. If I like it and you like it, we'll carry it on. And luckily it took me a good two or three weeks to figure out how to teach handstands online, but mm. it's worked. And I'm extremely lucky that it has worked for me because now that means I can teach anyone in the world. Yeah. Whereas before yeah, teaching yeah, yeah. person, I could only teach people who could come to my house. That, that was cool. it. So that's very limited. Whereas now I have, two Australian clients, I have four Swiss, two Italian, two American. So now I can teach the whole world. So actually yeah, man, that's cool, isn't a it? positive note of COVID. I've been yeah. very lucky that now I have widened my teaching audience, but also at the mm. same time, you know, as I'm sure you both know from performing and stuff like that, like you teach all day and then you perform at night. You don't really get to spend time with your partner. Mm -hmm. whereas now we're stuck in the house 24 7 and we started going for walks every day for an hour because we were allowed to do that one hour of exercise so we were like well let's do it let's go for our walk yeah. we found so many parks near our house that we didn't know existed what mm. <laughs> how did we not know that there was a park oh there's that nice little shop there oh there's another nice yeah. little shop we started meeting people on our walk and i was like there's all these things that actually because i we both work so hard that actually i miss we you know i didn't get home at 10 o'clock at night we both finished work and at six o'clock, why don't we cook together? And yeah, we cool. both love cooking. So why don't we buy a few new cookbooks? Why don't we bought a Moroccan cookbook? We bought a Lebanese cookbook and we just went through page by page each cookbook because we had the time to cook, mm. sit with each other and enjoy it. So I know like for a lot of people, COVID has been horrific and there is some awful, awful things, but there are some positives as well. also been some good things for yeah, us. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and no, we have, you know, we're allowed to acknowledge the good stuff as well as the bad stuff, and it's uh, acknowledging the good stuff, which is kind of contradicting the fact that I said I could never, you know, acknowledge my good things. Um, but mm. you know, it's it's that that's um, keeping us sane through it. I think, you know. Yeah. Um, I've definitely said it before in previous podcasts about the fact that I saw, you know, my oldest uh, child. I saw him learn to ride his bike. You know, I saw that mm. moment. I saw the moment that you know the youngest sort of sort of went oh, do you know i don't like this calling malarkey i'm just gonna get up you know and i saw that <laughs> and normally i guess the chances of you seeing those things uh, as you know as a parent that works you know nine to five and then comes home and sort of you get mm. that the hour before the chaos of bedtime and then you get the two days at the weekend that of course we're gigging you know mm. so i've been fortunate to see that and you know um it's hard being at home with kids as dan will know and i don't know sammy have you got kids as well or no, I don't. No. But I got okay, a puppy. Well, if that's anything close, yeah, I would say so. That'll, that'll do. Yeah, um, <laughs> definitely, 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 definitely. Uh, yeah. Although the puppy can't shout at you uh, for a snack, or they can bark. Um, um, he can bark and bite. Okay. Mm. Well, so can my two-year-old. So. Very, very similar. <laughs> <laughs> do you want a medal? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we've had, I've had incredibly special moments uh, at home as a result of it. But I, and I feel mm. guilty sometimes for that because I'm like, well my family i love love being with my family it's been great uh, but then as you say there are so many uh, hundreds of thousands and millions of others who who have unfortunately not had such a good time uh, yeah. with it uh, but dan what what about for you we are sort of wrapping it up now and we're going to have your tune in a moment but for you mate you know those initial weeks you know i know you would have been really busy doing your thing and i'm sure well, we'll I, booked in to do a few gigs man together. i i went from doing like 
a, a full UK uh, tour with with venues packed full of like up to ten thousand people for the London shows, two back, nights back to back. So it's all like all the Bombay Bicycle Club, uh, Bombay Bicycle Club uh, tour around the UK. Yeah, pa- packed full of bodies everywhere you go. One of the last things we did was the Six Music Festival, and 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 by that point in March, early March, everyone was talking about covid and uh and i remember being in the pub there had been a serious chat with management for the band about and there was whispers of oh, i think these guys you know because I, I wasn't going to do the did we weren't going to do the brass section for their european leg of tours um but then their management were having a conversation very serious one and it seemed a bit like oh right, okay seems like europe's in doubt for these guys and uh, one of the um, Liz Lawrence, who's also performs with that band and has her own music, she was she was due to go out to South by South by Southwest Festival over in the states, and she was like, "Oh, you know, really hope it's not going to get cancelled." And then there was talks of that being cancelled while we were there, and she, they were like, "Oh, they're I think they're overreacting a bit." And I think I remember in the pub, um, yeah, I remember the conversation being like, "Oh." Oh, you know, I think they're overreacting. I'm not sure. Mm. Is is it going to hit the festival season? You know, is it going to hit the festival season? I was like early March, and they're like, yeah, no, I, don't, I mean, I think people are going to be quite cautious. But I I remember saying to my little table in the pub of being like, I remember saying to them like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure. You know, I I feel like I I remember saying I think it's slightly. I didn't. I didn't think it'd be anything like this. But in early March, I remember saying, "No, I think it might be. I think it might be slightly worse than we're thinking right now. I think it might affect us slightly more than we're, we're realizing." I remember. I remember saying that 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 I thought maybe that they were. It, we were kind of wishfully underplaying it at that point. Yeah. And it's amazing how quick things changed then because like Stereophonics did the gig the next weekend and everyone was like, Oh, was it really you know, they they were in the newspapers. It's like, was that wise, you know, people now died because the stereophonics concert went ahead and like that's a week, you know, that that, that whole mentality and I remember I, I had someone come up here to the studio to do the like the last weekend that was possible someone from london came up to, to to record some music with me here and she was terrified she was really worried about the possibility and me and the the, the other musician involved were kind of i think you're overreacting a little bit uh narrator she wasn't um and uh yeah so it's a, it a massive shock because it's like yeah. the, those things that you're doing as well they immediately feel, feel like they're from an alternate fantasy land um because it just so quickly becomes normalized that, you know, having thousands of people in the same room, it's just not possible. You know, we went very quickly from this complacency of like, Oh, wash your hands and sing happy birthday twice to, um, to, to how serious it got very quickly, you know? And, um, and, uh, yeah, it's, I, I think I've always wanted, I always like, I like this element of things. I like the recording element, the remote, element i like being home i like being able to have more time with my son you know i like yeah. spending whole days with my son i've never been able to do that before covid and and you know i don't think we should be ashamed of saying the good things that we have in our lives uh, I, I one of my favorite like books is this uh, uh slaughterhouse five by kurt vonnegut and it's like a sci-fi and second world war book and it's kind of him processing the trauma of him being in the second world war and he saw the firebombing of dresden and like he kind of like processes all of the kind of emotional trauma of that into this great 
time travel alien sci-fi tale based on a character kind of based on him fighting in the second world war it's an awesome story and the kind of moral of it is this thing of like that you know no matter how incredibly traumatic or difficult things can be you only get through life by looking by focusing on the positives you know by focusing on the things that you have that are good or whatever yeah. and uh, and there's this whole phrase throughout the whole book of just so it goes you know and 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 I don't know, I, I find myself thinking about that book quite a lot and that the, and the way, because I can't really put into words how brilliantly he, he kind of talks about that, you know, in terms of him, him as, a, as an individual having seen all that trauma and all, I guess that all that generation come out of the Second World War, like how do they then move past that and move forward and deal with their life and, and all the good things in their life despite all the kind of incredibly horrific things. And I just think it's a brilliant book in terms of like some someone assessing like well that was incredibly difficult and traumatizing but then like in terms of perspective you know how how, how do you keep yourself together how do you put one foot in front of because he kind of comes across this alien race i'm really going off on this book now uh he comes across this alien race where he's like oh you're really lucky your civilization don't know war and all the terrible things that we do because they appear to be happy and they're like oh no we do we've just matured to the point we realize that we go crazy if we think about all the horrible stuff we've done <laughs> and um he uses the kind of alien race to be like you know this is an advanced species who can deal with their shit <laughs> we humans <laughs> we humans we're not quite there yet yeah sure um and I, you know, I, I, th- I think that, like, you know, it's, it's like we we're talking earlier about the guy Ty who passed away, who's on my recording. It's, it's, it, and I feel like it, it's an incredibly mixed bag f- finishing that record. I feel really proud, and I want to be able to feel proud that we did it and we worked together and we're putting out this record with his name on it. But it's horrible as well, you know. Yeah, it's a constant but reminder, you don't, isn't you it? Don't get things by just dwelling on how how awful it is that we lost this guy prematurely to to covid uh you know and, and absolutely you sh- you should be focusing on on loss and all the things that are hard in life but i think there's no shame in celebrating all that was you know good, good about well. yeah exactly i think i think cuz cuz otherwise we will go crazy if you think about all the things that all of us individually sure, and collectively yeah. have had to go through in the last year or so sure. you, you it's only it's only fair to ourselves to 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 look at the other side you know as well that's yeah. what i think anyway well thank you and listen i am um, I'm, I'm yeah it's been a fascinating uh oh, i don't know how long we've been going but it's been fascinating uh chatting to both of you and I, I i you know i'd like to say once again how much i appreciate your time and um i appreciate your thoughts and, and just the general chit chat so thank you both very very much for joining us um we're going to finish with another one of your songs um dan so maybe you could just uh let let us know um what you're going to play for us or what i'm going to play um technically next well uh well darlings so um i did i did want to do a kind of full um live stream performance and uh, that's become more and more challenging but luckily uh we did manage to do one song like i can and some of the musicians involved in my band are based in London. So what I've done is I've done kind of like a Manchester version of that with some musicians who also kind of work locally in their own oh, containers cool. around so here. Is this recorded specially for the wedding thinners? Yeah, we've got a special live uh, version of one track recorded here through my desk and I've done the kind of production and things. So it's a kind of little from my shipping container version. Oh. And it's it's just because 
uh, couldn't fit the vocalists in or get them up from London, what we decided to do is go for this kind of like nice lo-fi jazzy instrumental version of one Amazing. of my songs. It's not actually on the EP. It's just, it's something else that will be coming out. Some it's, so it's not actually, only is this exclusively for the wedding singers, it's not available anywhere else. Is that what it's not available for? anywhere at well, all? I, it's been it's been played live a couple of times, but this is a total. Uh, this is the only existing yet? recording. It's like it's like the, is it the Prince Black album? It's going to go down in history as that. Do you know what? <laughs> I I don't want to be arrogant, but it's probably equally as good as that at least <laughs> well ladies and gents if you want a copy of this exclusive uh, track uh, do get in touch um or just download the podcast basically uh thanks dan uh, um brilliant um i'm gonna put that on the instagram tell, tell your wife that uh, sammy as well right we've got a big selling point there as well um listen so what's the name of the track dan it's called vibes vibes is that with a z at the end or it, it is with a z is it <laughs> yay <laughs> is it oh. We're not, it's not vibes though it's vibes V-I-B. no it's vibes with a z it's oh. vibes with a z it's very much like you know how i choose to live my life nice okay well i like that and is it third estate again yeah this is the third third, kind of will, will be a forthcoming third estate amazing well listen this is the third estate with a world exclusive i'm and I'm, actually i mean that as well live performance uh to, of vibes once again Thank you both so much. Uh, we've got Sammy Deneen. Uh, actually, before we do the song, actually, Sammy, how can people find out more about you, your teaching, all that you do? Sorry, should have done that. It's all right. It's all on my website on sammydeneen.com. Cool. Check it out. Check out those YouTube videos. Uh, yeah, we'll be posting a couple of those as well uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, and Dan, what about you? If people want to get in touch or want to buy some Third Estate staff, they've got any merch? I'm, a, I'm, I'm an enigma. You will not be able to find me. Don't even try. <laughs> No, just kidding. Uh, there's a Submit Music, Submit Records Bandcamp page, which has uh, the release on. It's on Spotify. It's the third estate with a number three. Cool. And uh, there'll be a new single coming out next Friday that's getting uh, premiered on Jazz FM and then a full EP coming out in early March. Um, so, yes, if you if you want to find us, there's uh, that, that name, Third Estate, on social media as well, Facebook, Instagram. Um, yeah, feel free to check it out. Amazing. Both of you, thank you so much. We're going to finish the podcast this evening with uh, Vibes by The Third Estate. <laughs>